Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with Deb Wolf. And we've got a special show. We've got Dr. Stan Corin, professor of psychology at UBC and, uh, well, best-selling author of many dog books. We're going to talk about one of those books right now, right at the outset of the show. So, Dr. Corin, tell me about your new book. Well, the book is called Gods, Ghosts, and Black Dogs. So it's about the mythology and folklore, tall tales, and that sort of thing about dogs. And it does include some spooky stuff. There are uh, a few of the tales about uh, demon dogs. Do you know, by the way, the demon dogs in the West, uh, in Europe, are always black, right? But in Asia, the demon dogs are always white. Yes. Mm, That's interesting (laughs) because I know white has some, yeah, some superstition in Africa too. White hair Uh, is considered bad and white white eyes and all kinds of things on animals. Hmm. So anyway, but there are a lot of just plain fun stories in the book and uh, you get to... uh, you hear a story about King Arthur's um, dog, Cavill, and there are some stories. I mean, you know, it's a whole broad spectrum from a lot of different countries, and all the stories are chosen to be fun. And I also tell the story about how I got the story. <laughs> For okay. me, that's just as important as the tale itself is, you know, how did I get this story? Who gave it to me? What See, was, I, what think, was I think I saw you. It's a few years ago, and it was on TV, but I think I saw you commenting on some strange bridge where dogs would, like, throw themselves over it, and people were calling it, like, haunted, but it turned out it was something else. Was that that right? Is this in the book? No, that one is not in the book, but that was an odd thing. Actually, it was the host of that. It was like a suicide dog bridge, but it turned out to be not that at all. It was some kind of like prayed below or something. And it was. There was mink. Mink? (laughs) (laughs) Suicide? It's called food. Opposite. Yeah. It's, well, mink have a a very, very distinctive uh, odor. And and, uh, dogs are attracted to it. And this bridge was set up in such a way. So that it had a fairly broad sort of stone wall going across the bridge, and the dogs couldn't see that, in fact, it would, the stone wall ended with a drop. So they smell the mink, they go to, to jump over to see what's happening, and the next thing you know, you have a dead dog. So it was a, an odd That's thing. Scary. But people there, were, you know, they were calling it, you know, the suicide bridge because of all these dogs, which, which had harmed themselves by um, leaping over it. So every once in a while, we get something horrible in the news about someone being busted for puppy mill or cruelty to animals or, you know, just inhumane treatment. And, um, you know, they call them a hoarder a lot of times. Recently, there was one in, I think it was Richmond, B.C., and it was her second time being caught. And she runs what she calls a kennel boarding and breeding, but it's really an awful place. And, you know, the animals are ill and sick and it's all terrible. And every once in a while, somebody like that is busted. And then there's this call to make new laws. I'm not sure why, because the laws are good. They're just not being enforced or they're not able to be enforced on people like her. She, it's not like she's operating within the law. She's not. But I want to know, like, how do people know? I mean, if a breeder has a female dog 
And like me, they take it to the vet before they get it pregnant and they take it to the vet after and all their dogs are vaccinated and, you know, kept in good care and retired at the right age and started at the right age. A breeder could have several dogs being bred and be ethical, whereas somebody else could only be breeding one, but just overbreed it, breed it from too young, too old, mistreat it. So it's kind of hard for people to know, like, what is a situation they should report? Is it if it's a neighbor or if it's maybe they go to buy a puppy somewhere? Because sometimes I sell puppies to people and they say, you wouldn't believe the place we were at last week. It was awful, blah, blah, blah. And I think, well, report it, please. You know, like, but how do they know where that line is? Because it's not, oh, the person, you know, breeds puppies for a living. That's not the distinction. There's a good way and a bad way, right? And it's hard for people to know the difference. So how can you help them know that if their neighbor has three or four dogs and a bunch of cats, it's okay. And maybe when it's not okay, because the hoarders, you sometimes don't see all their animals, but I think you can smell it. That's what I think, (laughs) right? I mean, what, yeah, what, well, what should neighbors think about and customers and people out there? Psychologists always say that the difference between something which is pathological and something which is not is just a matter of degree. So, I mean, you know, if you take a drink now and then, you know, that's okay. But if, you know, you drink a bottle of scotch every day, then that's not okay. So, or uh, if the thing, scotch interferes with your work or your family, or what, right? Like right, it has to right. interfere with something. That's right. It has to be in excess, okay? And that's the sort of thing in terms of hoarders. I mean, if you have uh, two or three dogs in the house and they're well-kept, then that's not a problem, okay? But if you have 23 dogs in the house, I mean, unless there's some special circumstance, that is apt to be a problem because uh, clearly the standards of care are going to drop and that kind of thing. And the moment the dogs start to appear to be unhealthy, as though they're not being cared for, I mean, then you have to start worrying about it. I mean, you know, we had a dog who came to uh, one of our obedience classes, and this is the only dog that these people had. And, uh, you know, this dog was unsound because it was not being kept well. So, I mean, so there are the cases, you know, that one dog may be too much. So, you really have to, to be very, very careful in assessing you know, is this individual keeping the dog well or or not? Well, you know, and also own- sometimes an animal can have a chronic problem. Like I had a neighbor who was, you know, letting a goat die, live out its old age, and it had problems. It had seen the vet. They'd done everything they could. Well, the goat limped around the property until the day it died, and that lasted like four years. Yep. And she was constantly called. The SPCA didn't come anymore because they knew her goat. But, you know, so sometimes an animal doesn't look so good because it's not so, you know, not a lot could be done. You can't report that. It's tricky, right? I think it's bad care and high numbers and filth maybe an indicator like what oh, else? Yeah. oh yeah you have to the uh, living conditions have to be reasonable and clean and the the animals have to be sheltered and they have to be fed and that kind of thing i think my, you know my own feeling is if you are in doubt talk to the person okay if mm-hmm. they seem spooky or if you know you see the conditions and they're not well then you go to something like the spca but if not, I mean, if it's, you know, an old goat, for example, then let it be. Okay. 
So we were talking on the last show about dogs helping each other. And I have another example that I thought was just adorable because I have a golden retriever with her puppies. And I noticed her, she's nursing them fully and they've just started to eat a little bit. They're a month old, but not really, just token eating. Mostly they're nursing. And I saw her after feeding them, move herself into a different area and then gently close the gate. <laughs> it could still be opened. There's no latch. But they don't know that because they're dumb. They're puppies. They're only a month old. So they see the gates closed and they sit on the other side whining for her. She opens it when she's good and ready. And I thought, you know, if I'd done that when I was nursing, I would have had a better life. <laughs> I'd just taken my mommy time like this dog takes her mommy time. But, um, yeah, it's pretty clever what they can do, how smart they can be with things like that. Yeah, and if you have animals who live together in the same household and have formed a bond, then you can very often see these helping behaviors in just everyday occurrences. When I had my, my old uh, flat-coated retriever, and at that time my former Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever was just, uh, uh, you know, in his puppy stage. He was about eight or nine months old. And the flat-coated retriever was a maniacal retrieving machine. I mean, you know, he grabbed everything. And and the toller was also a great retriever. And at one point in time, the dogs were playing with each other and the toller had a retrieving toy and uh, it flipped out of his mouth and it went behind this very heavy chair and he couldn't reach it. And the flatty was, uh, was looking at this and he was larger. And so he walked over to the chair, nudged it slightly, grabbed hold of the toy, and then just flip to the toller so you know nice. your toy, go play so so you know you do see these kinds of, of helping behaviors which seems to show i mean you know it's it's very much like kids playing remember i the, see it the with rule. fetch sometimes like the water yep. dog will go swim for it and then drop it at the shore and the land dog will pick it up and bring it to me with my yeah. borders you know with my camp good dog borders even though the water dog probably wants to hang on to it he doesn't you know and sometimes it's because he's submitting to the bigger dog standing on the shore but sometimes it's a little dog he drops it for here buddy you take it the last leg i'll go back in the water you know and off he goes it's pretty nice when they get along that well yeah and it has to do with that sort of cohesiveness of the, the pack the family whatever it is and the better the relationships are among the dogs then the more likely you are to see this kind of behavior well, we're going to go to another break, and then we're going to come back, and I think we might have a little disagreement. I don't know, because I think I've heard you say on air before that you always recommend people get young puppies, and I'm going to make a plea for people to consider older rescue dogs, especially ex-breeding dogs. So we're going to talk about that. We might have a little bit of an argument, a gentle one, coming up after the break. Stay tuned to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photoprop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. 
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf, and I live and work at Camp Good Dog, where we have loads of dogs coming and going, been doing this a long, long time, training dogs, and I also breed dogs, and sometimes I place ex-breeding dogs, and so I've got Dr. Corin, the psychology professor, who knows a lot about dogs and people, and I find that when I place a dog, like five-year-old Scarlett, who's about to retire from breeding, Golden Retriever. I know she's going to make an amazing pet. I know she's trained to the house and kids and other animals, and she's loving and loves to be touched and been a great mom, and she loves cats, and they have a Golden Retriever, the people I'm giving her to, and they have horses. She likes horses. I mean, I know what they're getting. They know what they're getting. To me, it seems a, a great match. And I wouldn't recommend they go out and get a, a new puppy that they have to house train and stay up at night with. If that's not what they're looking for, I think an ex-breeding dog's a good thing. So I know in the past, I think you've said that you prefer puppies. Sure. I prefer puppies for the simple reason that my dogs are trained to be obedience dogs and uh, competitors. So I want a dog who comes into my house and who I can train to do the kinds of things which is going to be his work for the rest of his life. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I have any objection to people adopting older dogs. It really depends on your circumstance. Let me give you an example. My parents always had schnauzers, standard schnauzers. They're big tough ones. little dogs. Yeah, the big well, ones? The, yeah. No, 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 not, not oh, the giant the mi- the, the, size. Mi- the okay. middle size, yep, yep. Okay. But they're tough little dogs. I mean, they're just basically oversized terriers. And their puppyhood is, a, you know, it's a bit of a struggle and that kind of thing. And when my parents began to get older, their uh, current schnauzer had died. And I decided they needed a softer dog and they shouldn't have a puppy because, you know, it was getting hard for them, you know, hard to move around and that kind of thing. So I ended up getting them a, a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel seven years old and had just retired from breeding i mean it was oh, from a yeah. breeder just a mush bucket kiss me kiss me uh, hug me hug me don't put me down that's right and <laughs> but this was not you know this was not a you know a breeding farm this was a gal who you know who had a breeding kennel and she had maybe three or four dogs at a time uh and was a conscientious breeder and all her dogs were socialized and that kind of thing so you know amy came into the house and became an instant child as far as my parents were concerned so it really well because i think sometimes her. people think if the dog isn't you know, a real baby with baby teeth, it won't bond to them. And I don't agree with that. I, th- I think these dogs, if they've had a hard life and then you give them security, they are so grateful. Even the rescue ones. I mean, my ex-breeders, they've had a, a lovely life, but they've had to share humans. And yeah. now they get their own humans. And that's very exciting for them. They're, you yep. know, they, just to have their and- own place, to be one of two instead of one of four is a big improvement, you know? And partly the reason I want her to go is because it's very busy and bustling around here. Like you say, I only have a few dogs because when they get older, it's better for them to go to a calmer place, you know, where she can just hang out on the couch all day like she wants, right? And those kinds of dogs make wonderful pets. I mean, you know, it's the same thing that I teach um, a graduate course at Bergen University, and that's also the home of the American Assistance Dog Institute. And, you know, they have these dogs which are being trained to be service dogs, you know, hearing assistance dogs or 
for handicap assistance dogs and that sort of thing. And some of these dogs flunk out for various and sundry reasons. And so now you've got a two or three-year-old dog who has just failed the service dog uh, requirements, but they have been incredibly well socialized and that sort of thing. And those dogs are gems. Oh, yeah, because a fail at that is not a fail. You know, sometimes they fail because they're too affectionate with strangers. Like they get, it doesn't mean he's a bad dog. He wouldn't even be in the program if he was a bad dog and he wouldn't get that far in it. It may be something like, you know, he breaks his concentration when food's really tempting. Well, okay, he'll make an amazing pet. You know, he's just not good enough for the blind guy who can't afford to have the dog drifting his attention because he walked by a hot dog stand. So, I mean, you know, these are the kinds of things, right? And I found some really good matches were made with ex-seeing eye dogs being placed because they didn't fully qualify for seeing eye dogs. They got almost all the way and then they can be retrained for something else like autism or hearing dog. So, you know, it's, it's not that they're a total fail. This is like a 98% dog. He's just not yeah. quite there, right? That's right. And adopting adult dogs is sometimes it's much, much easier because, you know, somebody else has done the hard work of socializing them and housebreaking them and that sort of thing. And so, you know, you get a plug and play pet. But I remember at one point in time, I adopted an old Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. He was nine and a half years old. And uh, the thing was, you know, he arrived in my house and there was nothing to train him. He checked out the other two dogs in the house. He sort of saw what their routine was. And within a week, you know, he was just one of the boys. Yeah. And he was a delight. Also, you know, as you said, a mush bucket. But <laughs> Well, and if you're I, dealing with an ex-breeding dog, the breeder should be doing things like what I do, which is you can take him for a day. You can take him for a walk. You can take him overnight. We can do a trial. He's always welcome back. I mean, if they're trying to get rid, oh, watch out. That's probably something went wrong. Health problem, did something wrong. You don't want, if the breeder can't handle this dog that it knows and loves, yeah, yeah, you steer clear. But if they're willing to, and this is my case, you know, when they adopt Scarlet, I'm willing to have, to give my vet full, disclose anything, tell the people her full history. Like, cause I don't, I have nothing to hide. If I had something to hide, I wouldn't be doing that. Right. If I just found out she had epilepsy or, or hip dysplasia or something, this could be, Oh my goodness, expensive. And I'm getting rid of her. I wouldn't say, you know what? You can call my vet. I've given them the freedom to talk with you fully about her history. So you want to make sure you're not getting somebody else's discarded problem for sure. But if you could spend time with the dog and see that it listens to you and fits with you, I mean, you you do, I think, especially for older people who don't want to train a puppy and get up in the night. Yeah, rescuing is the best way to go. So we're going to go to one more break, and then we're going to come back and talk to Dr. Stan Korn one more time. Stay tuned on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? 
Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and I have a difficult topic I'm hoping we can deal with quickly, though, Dr. Corin. In the news, Paul Bernardo was uh, coming up for parole. He's the Scarborough rapist. He's all kinds of things. When I was in fourth grade, we were told we weren't allowed to go to the parks or the forest. All field trips were canceled while they tried to catch him, and they didn't catch him till I was in college. He had an accomplice, Carla Hamulka. Now, Paul Bernardo's still in jail. He'll probably always be in jail. But Carla Homolka, who did terrible things to people and girls in particular, including relatives, she was let go and allowed to become a vet tech with access to animals and drugs. And that's always not sat well with me. And I think as a psychology professor, you're the right person to ask about this. How can that even happen? I don't know how it could happen, but there is a lot of data which shows that one of the markers for individuals who later go on to become, you know, mass murderers and that kind of thing is animal abuse. And you find there was a study which was run who looked at 23 mass murders and they found four major symptoms which were common among all of these mass murders. And one of the most prominent was early animal abuse. So it doesn't make sense to take someone who's committed those crimes and put them in a situation with vulnerable animals and drugs, does it? No, I mean, I wouldn't do it. But I suppose, you know, my my clinical colleagues are always much more optimistic. And I'm sure that one of them would probably say, well, if she's doing good by the dogs, then maybe in fact, she's recovering. You know, that's another way of looking at it. I guess so. We were talking about dogs helping each other. And a long, long time ago, I rescued a dog who had a big tumor in his neck and other things too. And at one point he had a stroke in the middle of the night. He was a rotty cross and he went blind overnight and he was bumping into things. It was just terrible. And this dog, this blue healer that didn't especially like him, I thought, until that day, she started to be his seeing eye dog, like what you're talking about. She would run outside and bark and try to show him the way, and he'd follow her bark. And it was just so kind. Uh, she could have chosen to body check him and, and you know do it in her usual rude way, but she didn't. She chose to do it in the most gentle, kind way. And I think sometimes dogs helping other dogs really shows us just what they're really like deep down. Have you got any other beautiful stories to share with us before we end in one or two minutes? Yes. <laughs> When I had my flat-coated retriever, he ended up dying way too young of cancer. But one of the symptoms of this cancer was that he got cold. Um, Shake. Yeah, shiver and that sort of thing. And my uh, toller at that point, Dancer, was incredibly fond of Odin, of of the flatty. And Odin would sleep on uh, this uh, cedar chip uh, filled pillow next to my bed. And one day I looked down and he was covered with a blanket. And I thought that was interesting. You know, where did he get the blanket? And then a couple of nights later, I found out how this was happening. That every 
evening, the dancer would go over to the pile of additional blankets, because I get chilly too, and he would grab one of them, and when oh. Odin was lying on the pillow, he would drape the blanket over him. That is so nice. That's just beautiful. Well, thank you, Dr. Corin. We've just finished up our second show. I hope to have you back someday in the future, and I hope people will run out and buy your latest book. Can you tell them the title one more time? It's called Gods, Ghosts, and Black Dogs. Right on. Okay, thank you very much. It was lovely as usual. Thank you so much for joining us today on Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. And welcome once again to the Spotify listeners. This is your second chance to hear me. And I'll be back soon with a new guest to wow you and your pets. Welcome to Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. Catch me again next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.